Welcome to Inspired by Failure, Lessons Learned from the Journey of Epic Ideas. I'm your host, Michi Yamamoto. This is where we talk to inventors and learn from their successes and failures to inspire us and help us change the world. In this episode, I interview Mahir Demak. Mahir is the inventor of sticky pesticide. Pesticides are used to protect crops against insects and pests. Farmers need pesticides to grow safe and healthy food. However, they are wasting 98% of the pesticides which are sprayed to the plants but quickly bounced off to the ground. With sticky pesticides, farmers can drastically reduce the amount of waste and save a huge amount of money. Mahir developed sticky pesticide solution through six years of research and development. I'm curious what motivated him to follow through with his sticky pesticide idea. We have a Facebook group where we can continue our conversation about him and his invention. Please check out michiyamamoto.com. Thanks for joining us today, Mahir. Can you please talk about what your invention, Sticky Pesticide, is? Absolutely, happy, happy to. So, our invention relates to um, agriculture and uh, specifically pesticides and other chemicals that are sprayed um, in, um, in agriculture. And one of the biggest problems with that, uh, with that is that the spraying of um, chemicals is very inefficient. And studies have found that only 2% of what's sprayed ends up on its intended target, meaning that 98% goes, to, um, goes away and pollutes uh, soils, uh, groundwater, and surface water. This is also a huge economic cost because costs of chemicals can be up to 50% of production costs for growers. And uh, of, of all these costs, only about 2% is ending up on, uh, on their targets. So there is a huge, um, huge inefficiency, inefficiency there. So <clears throat> well, there are two reasons to these losses. One is uh, having winds that carry the sprayed uh, liquids uh, away from the fields. The other main reason is that most plants are hydrophobic or water repelling, which means that when you spray these um, pesticides on them, uh, small droplets that are sprayed just bounce off the surface or roll off the surface and end up in the soil. Uh, and there they uh, contribute to pollution, but they don't help the plant. Uh, at all. Uh, <clears throat> so that's how um, that's that was the problem we were trying to solve, and uh, and then we uh, came up with this idea and this um, technology that can uh, enhance the adhesion of um, chemicals or pesticides to plants to make them more uh, more effective. So uh, we uh, developed these products that you can add. To your, uh, to your chemicals before spraying them and then spray them so it makes them stick much better to plants and we showed that uh, efficiency can be increased by 10 times 
So um, uh, you, theoretically, you could use 10 times less pesticides and have the same amount that uh, reaches your, uh, your plant. Cool. What's the biggest challenge you've had to overcome? Yeah, uh, we've had multiple channels, but I would say one of the most important ones was to, um, to identify the constraints you know, which we, uh, with which we, we had to work. So by talking to um, multiple farmers, we, um, we realized that we needed to make this integrate easily into their processes so they don't have to make big changes to start using our solution. The other constraint was um, that we wanted to um, reduce pollution and environmental um, uh, damage. So we wanted to use biodegradable materials. We did not want to add additional pollution to the, to the environment. So that kind of also limited the range of materials we, uh, we could work with. And then, and obviously there were other constraints, but that's, um, but taking into account all of those constraints, then we went and uh, looked at the physics of the problem and how we can, uh, how we can change and improve uh, the way these droplets uh, hit, hit the surface of plants and how we can make them um, make them stick. And that's where we came up with the solution of these charged molecules or um, charged polymers, um, electrically charged, um, that are also biodegradable and uh, that can be sprayed on the surface with two streams. So one stream of positively charged uh, molecules, one stream of negatively charged molecules. And when these two sprays uh, combine on the surface of the plant, um, they um, they mix and the, the um, electrostatic attraction be, be, uh, between these uh, oppositely charged polymers uh, causes um, some small precipitates to form on the surface that change the surface properties and allow the surface now to attract these liquids instead of repelling them, which allows us to have a better and uniform coverage of the surface, so better protection against pests, but also use up to 10 times less uh, uh, chemicals in the first place. So you did a lot of work against the polymer. Yes. What is one of the resources you used the most to learn about polymer? Yeah, um, absolutely. So um, I think um, there are two things. So there were obviously classes and things like that, but one of the most important resources beyond that was um, uh, so scientific literature and going um, and reading all the works that were um, done by other researchers in the past. So there is huge amount of, uh, of literature that's available and that's extremely helpful in whatever, whatever we're doing in science. We are rarely starting from, from scratch. We are always building on others' uh, work. So um, that was um, obviously extremely important to understand what has already been done so we don't reinvent the wheel. And then the other thing I would say was, uh, was um, to um, talk to uh, potential users of the product at very early stages of um, starting the development of the product. So before even thinking of a solution, we went and talked to many growers, uh, farmers um, who are using these chemicals uh, in the field. And we asked them 
what their processes are, what their problems are, and how they think about uh, about this problem, and really getting their perspective allowed us to develop um, the constraints and how how our design should be to be effective and uh, and widely adopted when it's developed. What is one thing people don't realize about the field of your research? Yeah, I think I think the problem itself is very. Uh, uh, is not very well known because not many people know that uh, uh, pesticide uh, pesticides are so uh, are so inefficient. And uh, yeah, if you look at the numbers, only two percent or a few percent that uh, that are actually uh, getting to the plants is a very staggering number because there is a. We don't find that kind of inefficiencies in, mo in most other processes, so I think that's something that's um, that's very surprising. Uh, that's very surprising to most um, uh, to most people. When did you realize you had a passion for agriculture and helping out farmers? I've always had a passion for solving uh, tough and important problems in in general. And then six years ago now, I learned about this problem because I, I, I don't have an initial background in agriculture, but I learned about this problem from, from listening to others uh, and seeing thoughts by people in the field. And um, really realized this is a huge, huge problem. And if we, if we solved it, it could have a great impact on, uh, on people's lives, on the way we produce food, and on our environmental, um, uh, on reducing pollution and preserving the environment. And all of these are things that I'm really passionate about. So that's why I decided this is a, this is a great problem to, uh, to focus on. And I did many years of research focusing on Dublin and trying to come up with a solution. I understand that farmers help you make progress on the research and development. What is the best piece of advice anyone has given you besides the farmers? Yeah, I think uh, a piece of advice that I got from, from different people was uh, really when, we're, when you're thinking of inventing something or developing something to help people, you really need to know your users very well. So you need to know the people who will be using this product because a lot of times things get invented and uh, to solve problems that are not really problems. So you need to really know the users, make sure that they want this product and that they are ready to use it and they're willing to use it and that it will really uh, help them. Um, and I think knowing that as early as possible and integrating that into the design and the thought process is uh, very helpful and can save you a lot of time. What is the biggest frustration about the problem solving if the problem is really, really, really tough? Yeah, well, obviously, um, for tough problems, it takes a lot of time to find, um, to find a solution. And uh, uh, in, that, in that time, there can be frustrations when you try things and they don't, um, and they don't work. Um, I would say that's, that's the biggest one when we are when we were in the development um, stage 
And uh, after that, uh, also for me, uh, specifically for this project, it takes uh, it takes a long time to do testing, so especially field testing. These are plants in agriculture that take several months to grow, and uh, so when you're used to doing things very fast, now that you have to wait for other um, other constraints, which is nature constraints, that these cycles take several months, and you have to test over a full cycle. Uh, yeah, that like when you cannot go as fast as you want, that can also be another source of frustration. But other than that, yeah, it's it's generally been uh, good, and we are doing those few trials right now, getting uh, getting terrific uh, results. What do you love most about your research and development work? Yeah, I think um, I I love the thing I love most uh, is uh, the impact, like seeing that we can have this um, this big impact on um, on a problem that's so significant, and um, as I mentioned, so these. Um, this solution will allow people to to be up to ten times more efficient. So it's a big, big improvement in uh, in the way of doing things. It's not just an incremental change. And uh, being seeing that uh, that big impact, I think, is the the most the most motivating thing. Then there is also the the people things. So working now that we're doing a lot of trials, I've been working directly with. Um, Growers and farmers all over the world, and talking to people obviously here in the U.S., also in Europe, in India. So I've seen all the scales from huge farms to very small farms, and really seeing that how lives of these people can can improve and how um, they're excited about using this product has been um, has been a great uh, a great thing to see and experience, and uh, I hope to um, to be able to help them even more. If you Or to do this whole thing again from scratch, what would you do differently? I would do more of those initial conversations and talk talk to people in the field even more at the, at the beginning uh, as as soon as possible. That's definitely one thing. One thing I would do. Uh, the the other thing I would say would be to um. To start getting getting my hands dirty as uh, as soon as possible, also doing experiments and trying a few things, even even before getting a complete understanding of the problem. I think trying to do stuff and being in that in that mindset helps you understand how it works. Even even if you're still understanding things on the theoretical side and reading stuff, well, once you start working in the lab, I think you get. We get a much better feel of how things work. So, doing that as soon as possible as well. What's one hidden pitfall with this R and D that prevents people from succeeding? I think one pitfall is um, to, as I was just mentioning, to not not start trying things always. If if you think of the negative and uh, the negative aspects and what can not work. Then you always find things that could not work. So uh, I think you should focus on what what could work and uh, the positive uh, have positive uh, positive thinking, and then start trying to do stuff and um, and and see what happens. And again, once you start doing doing things, I think very very nice things happen, and then you can really progress much faster. So what could be the next step in your research? 
So I think for this project, the next step, um, so there are other people now that are involved in the project and are doing more experiments um, at MIT. Um, so the next step now is we're doing field trials. So we have a few partners with which we are doing field trials and getting data from the field, which is usually the next step after getting data in the lab, you want to get, get the same data in the field and have, um, have external validation, have the, the customers or users directly see the results on their farm. Mm. So we're doing a few of those on, on different plants. We're doing um, vegetables, uh, grapes, oranges, uh, many, many different types of uh, plants. So getting data there and uh, that, that takes, takes some time because you have to do it on different cycles, different plants and things like that. So that's, that's ongoing. And then after we finish that, the next stage would be to um, yeah, take it to market, uh, probably form, uh, form a startup company to commercialize this and, um, and uh, yeah, take it to market. I understand you are collaborating with people in India. Are you likely to travel to India more often, sooner or later? We, we had a few collaborators in India. We, we don't have... Um, a specific partner in the project in India. Now the whole team is in the US, but we had some good collaborations with India and I've been there many times. And then that's really to look, as I mentioned we, uh, at the beginning, we talked to big farmers in the US, but we wanted also to talk to uh, smaller farmers in India and have a solution that's applicable everywhere. So we had some good collaboration there and we went to visit them um, a few times. But right now, I think the focus of the initial testing is um, is in the U.S. So, um, so I'm not. Uh, yeah, we're not. We're not going to India too much these days. But after the initial testing, we will probably start that again and uh, do more more trials there. How long have you been working on this research and development? Uh, about six years. Six years. What's yeah. the craziest things you've seen so far during that six years? Um, the positive crazy things is really when things work as planned. So you you do some theoretical studies and calculations, you prepare an experiment and then it works as you predicted. Then it's really, um, yeah, that's really the, the best. Those are really the best moments in the research when you see your thing working, not on paper, but in the real, uh, in the real world and you do a successful experiment. Um, yeah, I think that, that those were the most, um, the most positive, um, the most positive moments. And obviously that doesn't happen, doesn't happen randomly. There's a lot of work that goes into that and you spend a lot of time preparing, uh, an experiment developing and then when you really see it work that's uh, even if even if you spend that much time it's still like a crazy crazy moment what did it feel like to come across with that positive moment when you first time realized the sticky pesticide idea you can materialize that how what did it feel like yeah, no, it was uh, it was a great feeling. That's like after after months of work, seeing that this actually actually works and um, and can be yeah can be applied. So I think it was 
it was two things. So it was first happiness that this works, but then it was also the start of the next phase. So now that we saw that it can it can work, now we have to focus on this um, on this method and make it better and make it uh, optimize it and all of that. So it was kind of happiness that one the first phase was kind of was kind of ending and a new a whole new phase was beginning. Awesome. Thank you, Mahir, for joining us today and sharing your experiences. Uh, yeah, Bruno, thank you for, uh, for the opportunity. In this episode, Mahir shared with us his experience about how he came to the invention of sticky pesticide. Oftentimes, the problem you're trying to solve turns out to be not actually a problem. Mahir believes in the importance of knowing the users really well. So he reached out to people who might possibly benefit from his work, and he spent time fully understanding the problems and constraints. We have a Facebook group where we can continue our conversation about him or his invention. Please check out michiyamamoto.com. Thanks for listening to Inspired by Failure, Lessons Learned from the Journey of Epic Ideas. Stay tuned for our next guest.